Well, what I realized was that because of the way that our brain is formed over eons, that if you're making fast decisions, you're making them with the old brain, the reptilian brain. And it's just fight or flight. The new brain has all the real knowledge. Unfortunately, it's a slow processor. It holds a tremendous amount of data, but it's a slow processor. And in one of the books that I read, it said the experiment of that is someone sends you an email, charged email. You fire, respond, don't send it. Put it to the side. Come back the next morning and read their email and then read how you responded. And I started doing that, and I realized that in a lot of cases, I had totally misunderstood or misjudged what the person was. I took it as they were attacking me, and I immediately attacked them back when that really wasn't what their intent was. And it was just amazing. I still do that today for some things. And I purposely today, for what I feel like are bigger decisions, I take a tremendous amount of time. Because mm-hmm. it really is amazing. The decisions that I make now versus what I made before are... Because I'll make two or three decisions along the way, iterations, and then I'll look back and I'll go, this is totally different than what I originally would have done in this situation. Mm. And again, I think one of the biggest problems in our society is that's not taught to children. And we're taught to, again, to make fast decisions. We think that you're rewarded for that. And you've got everybody running around basically not using the biggest part of their brain. Mm. And then they wonder why they have problems. Yes. I think part of why a lot of people experience some anxiety is that Mm. kind of like invisible pressure to make the decision to take the next step, to move forward. And I completely agree with you. I think the pause and the stillness and the space has been devalued and lost on people because they think they're going to fall behind. There's like a great fear that... I'm going to fall behind, I'm going to miss out, et cetera. And we've done this many times in the business, like you were saying with the email, where Mm -hmm. giving it a day, it's as if the heightened emotion gets to settle into the truth. Mm -hmm. And while we still might feel a type of way, we're really able to see it more clearly and come from, I think, more so in our heart rather than so reactive. Yeah, because like I said, it's... The reptilian brain is the vargas nerve and all that. It's just purely chemical fight or flight. And it served us very well early on. It still served us well in some yeah. situations. For most of us, not so much anymore. Sure. <laughs> That's what most people are running around making their decisions on. My immediate reaction is to like look for the pattern recognition of whatever the person's saying. I wanted to affirm a pattern or neural pathway that I have in my mind that I run regularly. So if the email comes to me, I'm like, oh, they don't respect me. And I could see something totally different than what you see because of my patterning of my beliefs where I'll be like, I don't trust them. They're going to be whatever. And you're like, they don't respect me or whatever because yours might be, you feel disrespected. Mine might be, I don't trust people. So they often hit on things that we kind of loop over and over again. But I want to talk about the, so you left the- So I left the treatment facility and I guess in the minority of people that uh, treatment worked for me, it's- 
I haven't had a drink since, and that was 13 years ago now. When I came out, like I said, I went through the sabbatical period and figured out what I wanted to do next and all of that. But I still had the same problem that I had when I went in, is that I didn't feel comfortable in social situations. So I isolated myself. I knew that if I didn't find a solution that I would go back to doing what I was doing before or something else because I just couldn't live that way long term. I just couldn't couldn't do that. I didn't want to. Sure. And so, I, so if alcohol can't do it or any other things that I've been doing, how about is there something else out there that I can do that will fix this, treat this? And I started doing the meditation, yoga, all that kind of stuff. I was doing that. And that was helping, but that didn't get me to where I wanted to get. I tried everything in the market I could find that had feel good or all that type of stuff. And none of it really did hardly anything for me. I tried everything illegal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like plant medicine or? Yeah, Mm -hmm. just pretty much everything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what I found with that was that it did too much yeah. in most cases. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're like, and, I left the planet. <laughs> yeah. And, and I wanted something that I could function in society. I could go to work. I could work out and all of that. I didn't want something where I felt like I could drive a car or I was just felt like sitting on my couch or that wasn't what I was looking for. And, and I could not find it. I'm a research fanatic. And so I started researching social lubrication, plants, different societies have used around the world for thousands of years. And it was fascinating because I found that alcohol is only one of the solutions. And it's actually an outlier because it's the only one that's processed. So you have a handful of plants that developed in different places around the world that were used for social lubrication that didn't have alcohol or had very little of it. And I learned as much as I could about all of them. And then I started traveling and went and experienced them firsthand. I started collecting samples and none of those by themselves got me the full package of what I was. They didn't feel like that first sip of alcohol that I took. Mm-hmm. I got the crazy idea of trying to start mixing different things together. And I set up a informal lab in my house. My wife thought I was off the deep end again. And I spent two years mixing and matching and using different strains. And I finally found the right combination that made me feel like I felt when I had that first drink. It was like a, it was a dramatic moment when I found that because nothing else before in all these thousands of combinations I tried had done that. And I was using friends and family as guinea pigs too, so they were trying this. And I wasn't thinking anything about commercialization. This was just for me. But when I found this, pretty much everybody I gave it to said, you need to sell this. And that's how I got to consumer packaged goods. Wow. I tried it at Sun Life Mm -hmm. and it's powerful. So what Mm. exactly is Kava Root and what is in it that provides the effects of that social lubrication? Kava is the root of a pepper plant. It's grown throughout the Pacific Islands. It's been used for thousands of years the same way that we used alcohol. It is no doubt, as far as a natural, unprocessed, 
it is the best thing for anxiety and stress that there is, bar none. It actually works in a lot of cases almost too well. It's a little bit too sedating, but it's just a wonderful plant. And it doesn't really have any downside unless you just consume just unbelievable quantities of it. And you don't really want to. For me, it's not like alcohol that you just keep wanting more and more and more. And it doesn't take that much of it. Thank you so much for tuning in to Morning Microdose by Almost 30. We hope you enjoyed waking up. As always, we encourage you to take what resonates and leave the rest. If you enjoyed this trip, tune into the full episode on the Almost 30 podcast. All episode information can be found in the show notes. Make sure to subscribe. And if this becomes a part of your morning routine, be sure to share it with a friend. We have new inspiring doses Monday through Friday. Follow us on Instagram at Morning Microdose and follow Almost 30 at Almost 30 Podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in the vortex.